Hey, everybody, and welcome back to A Pond for the Review, the podcast where we watch films considered the greatest of all time. But are they really? We'll be the judge of that. It's the UFR podcast. everybody welcome to episode 53 the grapes of wrath a 1940 classic directed by john ford starring henry fonda this is noah kinsey and jonesy welcome welcome all right let's just do this jonesy yes overall thinking does this stand up is it still a classic uh i mean classic yes does it still hold up I mean, it had a hold. It had a hard enough time holding up my eyelids. <laughs> in all honesty, um, it's a good movie. It's great character piece, and I feel like it's very, it's slow. But at the same time, I like what they were doing because I related to the characters. But I don't know if it. Um, I don't know if for me if I would uh for for our audience this day and age if they would really be able to sit through it and really enjoy enjoy it. I doubt they could. You know, I I wasn't feeling it. No. I mean, I growing up, I had to read this book. I've seen the movie. I'm sure in middle school or uh-huh. high school, and I just, I mean, I've played Oregon Trail, so. <laughs> This I don't know. It, it just it didn't really do anything for me this time, and I get didn't the, resonate for you no, at all. No. I get I get the importance of the story because it's very historical. Sure, all the Okies going to California to make it big and getting boned along the way, right? And people dropping like flies. Yeah, but other than that, it was very straightforward. Uh, the the cinematography was fine. I guess it was very stagey, um, and there were certain production. Issues I had, for instance, when he meets up with the former preacher uh-huh. and they're walking to his house, uh-huh. there was an echo that they were on a soundstage. Well, and the whole was movie was like on a soundstage. Su- I know, but it was that that stood out the most. It was super echoey. Oh, interesting. Like, I'm like, really? <laughs> the thing that stood out to me was like, I baptized you. I'm like, but you look as old as I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're aging really well. Mm-hmm. In order, uh, and I even hated his intro. His intro, I thought was he was just kind of there. His acting got better, but the intro was. The, I thought the acting was horrible. Yeah, it was. I thought it was terrible. I remember that section of the book though, where he's like walking on like hunched down or whatever. Remember when I did this? And they're like, no, no. I was just in prison for and four I years. Be bragging about what you were doing because it's pretty stupid. <laughs> no wonder you're not a preacher anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, that snake charming didn't fix this, did it? Why? I used to baptize so many people, I damn near drowned half of them. No wonder you're not a preacher anymore. That's terrible. (laughs) You're not supposed to hold them underwater. Basically, they burned the church. (laughs) That's what you're telling me. That's what's going on. Yeah. So, or he's like, I walked around, I gave a sermon looking like an ape. You know, he's all walking around and shit. I don't know. I was, I mean, I like the guy's character, though. I I liked it later. Later it was fine, but that, I just was like, I don't like this at all. Well, I mean, here's the the tough part like i related to the film mainly because my parents lost their house uh-huh. you know in the 2008 
you know, stock market crash and the real estate market just kind of went to shit. So um, I can relate to their plight mainly sure. because my family kind of went through that. They didn't have to go all the way to California because we were already in California. <laughs> right. But at the same time, they had to move outside of California. You know, my parents live in Oregon now because it's more cost effective for them. They can find work. It was tougher for them to do that here. The other thing that I really love is the um, the family itself. You know, they, they started out with like 12 people. And I grew up in a house of 12 fucking people, uh-huh. you know, and – Throughout the throughout the journey, they all kind of just fallen off. They all kind of fell. The older people just aren't making it. Yeah, they're not making it. They're not, um, you know, because they're not eating well, or you know, they they don't have a means to to rest and fried bread or whatever that was. Right. So I can relate to what that what what they're going through. Not in the ex, that extreme sense because right. I never wanted or needed the way that they needed to throughout the movie, but I saw the blue collar worker. And I don't mm. think we saw – I don't think we get to see that very much in cinema. No. And I think that's the thing that I like the most about this movie is because it was about – it was about the honest Midwest man. Yeah. You know, the, the Midwest family, they're, they weren't the smartest people in the entire world. But the one thing that they knew how to do was unite as mm-hmm. a family and they loved and then they kept pushing each other and the people around them to unite. And to me, there was a great, there was a great movie about unity and finding mm-hmm. joy and happiness within that. With, with having less. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of like, other themes within the story about, you know, big business and how they Which kind of fuck everybody over. Which was not John Ford's intention because but he's it, actually very conservative. Um, sure. But so he actually, because he didn't want to talk, uh, make it a societal thing, he focused on the family because that's what he could but get But that's the irony of. though, I, I think. Know, because but the source material stood out. Yeah, I mean, it was very societal. Well, yeah, I mean, at the same time, if you're going to root your story around a family, it's going to make it society because it's mm-hmm. literally big business versus, yeah, you know, the the, the farmer. Just being <laughs> basically mm-hmm. Just someone's down on their luck. My favorite uh, my favorite Just be happy scene. you have a job. Someone's going to do it. You don't want the two cents an hour. Someone's going to take Somebody's it. Somebody's going to take so it. Move yeah. on away. Yeah. My favorite scene, though, that really kind of set the tone in the beginning was the Muley scene where he goes back to the house, where Tom goes back to the house, and he's um, he his whole family's gone, but Muley's kind of squatting, mm. and he shares with him this story, yeah. you know, and this is our dirt, this is our grand, we, we died here, you know, we've, we've grown here, we've birthed here, this is our place, and I was just like, fuck, man, that is some deep stuff. Yeah. And the thing is, is the the cinematography, I felt was absolutely beautiful. You think so? I do for a couple of different reasons. One, I it was in 1940, so we had color. So again, we're making the choices to mm. to do this in black and white. There was a nice juxtaposition where some of the footage felt very cinematic, and some of the footage felt almost documentary esque. Mm. And I think John Ford and his director of photography really had a a keen sense of how they wanted to play within that. Um, the director of photography was the same guy that did um, Citizen Kane. Mm, I so, so, I mean, you get a lot of those noirish types of uh-huh. feels almost in, a, in the same sense of like a German expressionistic type of landscape to kind mm-hmm. of really play to the dreariness of what's happening yeah. within it. But then there's great moments of feeling very visceral and being there when the family's all driving away on the back of a truck, you yeah. know, and they're all trying to pile on and the truck's creaking and it feels very real and very in the moment and not cinematic at all. Mm-hmm. And it kind of puts the weight because this is actually something that happened in our history. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? 
And, and I think the they, UK version actually had a prologue at the start explaining that moment in history for America. Oh, really? Uh-huh. That's interesting. It was called, uh, they nicknamed it the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> Just because they don't know about like the Dust Bowl and the right. Okies and all that stuff. Right, so. right. So I think for me, you know, there was certain plots, things that kind of happened throughout the story. You know, the ending was a little lackluster in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, it was very um, quiet. Totally. But I think if you really just kind of pay attention Uh to what's happening is he ultimately becomes the preacher that passes away. Yeah. What was interesting about that is uh, the focus wasn't entirely on him as in like his legal troubles. I felt like it was Uh -uh. sprinkled in there. So when he left, it didn't really necessarily feel like a climax because really the big the the most dominant plot in this was the family. So when he left, you're like, all right. (laughs) <laughs> well, I hope um, that people can kind of get at the very end of this movie that there was no – they don't know. They don't know what the future is going to no. bring. But the thing that they have at the very least is they know that they have each other mm-hmm. and then they know that they have hope that it's going to get better. Yeah. And I think that's the only thing that you can take away from that yeah, because there is no guarantee to of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful message uh-huh. that um, Steinbeck kind of wrote into this thing in a very political way, you know. And it's very interesting to me to look at, you know, this something that happened in, you know, during the Dust Bowl of our history and Steinbeck writes about it in the 40s. And, and we the get producer to who bought the rights from him for $100,000, which was crazy back then. That was a mm-hmm. lot of money. But he actually sent investigators to those migrant farms to see if it was as bad as the novel portrayed. And it was, Only right? to find out it was like, worse. if anything, it was worse. Yeah. If I mean, anything, the, he sugarcoated it. Yeah. I mean, and that's... To me, really interesting because history repeated itself. Yeah, that has never gone away. Yeah. It's always been big business has always done what they can right? because they have the power. Right. And I mean, even in that Muley scene, it really like if you guys are, are, are going to er, watch this movie, I'd urge you to watch it. But don't do anything other than watch this movie. Yeah. Just really focus on what's being said and um, – the characters, it's such a wonderful character piece. Because in all honesty, there's nothing very cinematic that goes on in this movie. Um, but the character pieces and the and the the actions that the characters mm-hmm. are taking and um, those things, I think, are really what makes this movie shine. Personally, it's just, to me, it's hard to say that. That's why I say this movie, for sure, is a classic. But at the same time, I don't know if it holds up now yeah i would love to see a remake potentially yeah i would too um for whatever reason i think i read somewhere that steven spielberg thought about doing a remix or he might have done a remix i don't know i didn't scratch that i don't know for sure but um i wouldn't mind seeing an actual remix potentially and see what that kind of brings to Mm -hmm. the table maybe but um outside of that it was very slow for me i had a hard time staying awake through the whole thing and that could just be the way i've been conditioned to watch movies since you know, oh, as maybe. a kid, you know what I'm saying? Because because it kind of just gave you the facts and let you. I mean, it just didn't glamorize anything. Yeah. It was just like kind of here it was. It sucked. Mm-hmm. Like just sit the one and thing though that those. I did like throughout the movie too was the um, the rhythm of the language. You know the the way that the people talked in the in the film. I thought that was unique, but I had a hard time understanding some of it. Yeah, <laughs> I literally had it's to a put very the foreign um, rhythm. Yeah, I really had to put the subtitles on to catch some of it. Oh, interesting. Because um, I was realizing I was keep going back to kind of see what they were actually or hear what they're actually saying. 
Um, but I really did enjoy the writing of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just, I think the climax for me, just, eh, I get, I yeah. get it. It just, yeah. Based on some of the amazing climaxes uh, and resolutions that we've seen over the yeah, I think over we're conditioned to this stuff is more dramatized nowadays than it would be then. I mean, even Tom's story is very um, under like understated when it came to basically the theme of that character is not not um, not sub- like submitting. I mean, even right. when he w- went to jail, it was because a dude stabbed him and he hit him with a shovel. Right. Like, he just happened to kill somebody who started the fight. He mm-hmm. didn't just sit back and take getting stabbed. Right, right. And same thing with him. You know, he's on parole. He can't do anything, even though all these horrible things are happening to his family and just Yeah, but he exploited. also chose to break his parole by traveling to California yeah. for the betterment of his family. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's making choices. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's fighting for the, for the little guy. Exactly. Right? And that's why by the very end of the movie he chooses to be to take on the preacher role yeah and say whenever you know wherever people need me basically I'll, being I'll be the first there. union boss yeah <laughs> i'll be there i'll yeah. be there so <laughs> yeah man it's a it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting movie way too long for me though. yeah super long a like, oh couple interesting things about the production is henry fonda didn't actually he Back then, you would sign up to a studio and you would have to, you know, do so many roles with the studio. Uh-huh. And he wanted to stay independent. He didn't want to sign with the studio because he wanted to be able to pick and choose his roles. But when this came about, he agreed to do it. Now it's not consistent. It says even even um, signed with seven years or for eight years. But I think one it was of those. seven. Well, it, there's I've two heard. different spots. One yeah. says seven. One says eight. But he agreed to uh, finally sign a contract to work with the studio for that many years because of this film part. Yeah. I heard about that too. And he was just, he was weighing the options like, cause he knows the studio is going to make him do a bunch of stupid movies, but if he could do like yeah, he six have stupid movies, mm. but one really, really good the one, one that got him an Oscar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He didn't win an Oscar for this though. He got nominated. Yeah. He was nominated. Uh-huh. He, yeah, he didn't win. No, an Oscar, wasn't nominated though. again for another 40 years. What? Not until 1981. He was nominated again. Oh, he won wow. an Oscar. As a producer for uh, for Twelve Angry Men, but as an actor, it took till nineteen eighty one. Oh, interesting. That's good yeah. to know. Another that. thing that's kind of interesting is because this is very like a pro union type of um, film. John Steinbeck and John Ford were both investigated by Congress during the McCarthy era. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you? Or have you not ever been a part of the Communist Party? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. No, we're part of the pro. I don't want people getting boned for two cents an hour. Yeah, basically. That's, 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 the, a that's the fucked up part, though, right? Like you you, you try to speak out for the little guy mm-hmm. and then you got these big – you got the bureaucrats and the, you know, the one percenters of the country at the time and they're just like – Communist, but you like it's that, like a horrible yeah, fucking yeah. thing. Communism and socialism is it's like just the, the worst, worst thing in the entire. No motherfucker. I mean, when freaking Obamacare was first announced, oh my god, yeah, everyone was like, crazy. What? Right. Obama's gonna have death panels. What are you talking <laughs> what are about? You talking about. Oh my god! Like all this every time, yeah, know, every time there's anything, and it's. Well, I think this the harder part is just most people don't understand. 
right. our history. That's mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about this a handful of times yeah. on the podcast. And you listeners out there, I know we kind of get on the soapbox every now and again, but it's very cultural, especially with what's going on right now. Yeah. You know, with all the with all the political stuff, it's just it's interesting because I highly urge you guys educate yourself on our history. Yeah. Just educate yourself, please. Please, so you can understand. see the trends and see things exactly. coming back and seeing how it ended. Those yeah. things. <laughs> exactly. You it know? Didn't end great. <laughs> I got I got into a conversation with a with a guy um, over the uh, where. So I I just got back from Japan, right? Uh-huh. And you, when I was traveling in Japan, uh, you meet a lot of other people that are you know from other parts of the country, uh, of the world or whatever. And we we ended up talking with a couple guys from New Zealand and. Um, they knew our history better than some Americans know our history. <laughs> I believe it. You know, they knew they knew like the last, you know, thirty presidents basically, and they knew a lot of their politics, and they knew a lot of where our country is headed, and all sorts of things. It was kind of interesting to hear um, other countries' point of view uh-huh. on our own country, but it really put in perspective to me. I can't, I could have, ne- I can't have some of those conversations with people even in the states because they don't, they don't know our own history. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and it's tough. And here's the thing: like, I'm not against America. America. I love America. I love where I'm from. I'm very prideful. It's pretty great. It's a great fucking place. But our country was founded on genocide. Yeah. You know, our country was also founded on the proposition of freedom of speech and freedom for all. Yeah. You get what I mean? And the thing is, is that a movie like The Grapes of Wrath really puts into perspective how young we are as a nation. And we're still kind of figuring out our shit, mm. you know? So to which end that was in 1940, we are in 2016 coming into 2017 and we still are trying to figure out our shit Yep. where coming into Japan, which was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, they've been around since, you know, the year 700, you know, mm-hmm. or longer and they've had, you know, uh, Kings and Imperials and shoguns and all these types of people. And they're still figuring out their shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So at the same time, it's just, we just got to educate ourselves the best so we can yeah. make the best choices mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. Know? We're still experiencing growing pains, oh, you know, we're less than 300 definitely. years old and we just got to remember we're experiencing growing pains right. and we need to learn our history so we don't repeat the same shit because well, that's, that's just going to stunt our growth. But and here's the irony is that I feel, you know, they, they do say history repeats itself and I think it's a, it, it will. The thing is, is history repeats itself because nobody asks the big questions to fix it. Yeah. And that's the harder part, you know, because if the rich stay getting rich, which again, coming back to this movie that we saw, there was a great scene again with Muley, which I love the beginning of this movie because it really set up, you know, what the fuck was going on throughout the time. Muley was there with the rifle saying like, if you come here, I'll blast them off. Like they must know, you know, what a, what a shotgun will do basically. Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing obviously, but the guy was just like, well, it's, it's only the, the land's not owned by you. It's owned by another company. I mean, right now you think you own your house? No. Like the land that your house is on, you own the sticks that your house is made out of. The <laughs> government owns the land underneath your feet. So if they want to, they can come in here mm-hmm. and just say, nope, sorry, this is ours again. And they'll take it from you. Yeah. You don't own anything. Yeah. And that's basically what happened. These families owned this land. The the big banks ended up leasing this land from from these uh, from the government. And they basically came in so they can basically make track homes. Yeah. And you know, all that type of stuff. And I was just like, well, that's absolutely nuts. And to the point where you have this guy telling him, like, look it, it 
this company owns this. Well, who is he? It was like, well, not a he. It's a company. Yeah. And it's like, well, they have a president, don't they? And it's just like. It's a company. It's not a person. Even say, <laughs> exactly. like, there's, not, there's nobody. Right. And that was an interesting moment because now you're seeing the bureaucracy and all the levels. Yeah. And this guy that's just coming to tell him He's is just, just like, a messenger. Well, dude, I'm just the yeah. fucking messenger, man. You got to go through so much red tape to make this mm. thing. And that dude, how many even families heard. has he even said this to? By that time, he's just right. like reading, like he knows it verbatim. It really verbatim. did seem that way in that yeah. scene. Like he, he was, got the same questions, the on. same anger, the same the whatever. Same thing, exactly. He didn't come across as awful. He just came across no, as like just, matter, of fact, matter of like, fact. Like, look, totally. I have nothing to do with this. Yeah, I am sorry that you are in this situation. You are not the only one. I completely understand and am sympathetic to you, but. I'm just trying to make a buck in this tough time. Yeah, man. this That's is my pretty job. much what it is. This exactly. is how I get paid. This is how I get right. tried around in this convertible. But I thought it was. Do you in- like it, by the way? It's nice <laughs> no, and shiny. It's like, I just <laughs> got it. Um, which I even <laughs> thought was kind of interesting. You know, the scene after that, you have one of the one of the farmers that were friends with the family, and the, he's literally the one plowing down the home. Yeah. Well, you dude's got to eat. Well, and that's the interesting thing to me is that you we have been built into a society that is I hate to say it, but it feels like a dog eat dog. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think I got to take care of my own first instead of taking care of the betterment of the community. Because could you imagine what would have ended up happening if that entire community had the knowledge and the wherewithal to like band together and unionize yeah. and fight it? Yeah, you know, with that. But they, it was, it was a stronger was, together. But you have that fear, right? You have that fear, like right. Well, then you we also don't have the all. education. Yeah. So these people, and that's the beautiful thing. Because no, no offense to how I grew up, but my parents didn't go to college. My parents, you know, they're very hardworking middle class people. People, mm-hmm. You know, and when the whole situation with the with the market crash happened for my parents, you know, they made a they made a poor investment and but they looked at it and they thought it was going to be a worthwhile investment, you know, and, sure. the, and the banks told them like, no, this is good. This is this, you know, a this is what you need. Have, this is, yeah. you know, this is going to help you because my parents were just trying to get a lower monthly payment, you yeah. know, as the market was like, Meh, and then blah, blah, blah. And it was really tough for my parents because you got to understand. And I felt for this movie mainly because these people have grown up here. They've they've built these homes with their bare hands, and that's how my family was. My Didn't grandfather, you say that, that family had, or that house had been the family for forty years, seventy years, seventy years, seventy that's right. years. Yeah. Like people have died and have been yeah. born and have been killed on that yeah. land, you know. And that's how I felt like when my parents lost their home. Like the my grandfather. Um, he ended up <laughs> he ended up selling his motorcycle in order to put a down payment on the house before any development was even around the house. Wow! It was like they were all it was all farmland up at that point, and he ended up having a way to just and he bought my grandmother that house. So my grandmother, you know, loved the hell out of that house. He built her a backyard, a patio. They built the fireplace by hand. They, it was like a place that they built that was a home for them. And then when they, when my, my mom, you know, she was born in that house and then I was raised in that house. My siblings were raised in that house and it was always the house that everybody came back to. Mm-hmm. And to lose that sense of identity was such a stark, um, that was crushing. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was heavy reality for all of us. And, you know, we ended up moving so far away from each other. There was a couple of years where we just didn't even, we didn't even communicate really. Cause it was just so heartbreaking. Yeah. And then we slowly realized that, um, and I think where the movie gets to at the very end is that their home is where they are. Exactly. Home is with us within yeah. the unity of where we're at. They were able yep. to make a home wherever they were at, mm-hmm. as long as they were 
together, right? They're always yeah. stronger together. And that's what we found out as a family as well. Like home is, you know, they do say the, the, the adage of home is where the heart is. And I really truly believe that because yeah. my family is all spread around now because of this uh-huh. and we get together and it's just, no matter where we're at, it feels like home. And that's the that's best, awesome. that's the best thing we could possibly mm-hmm. have had. Do you know what I mean? So I, I really connected to this movie because of those reasons and sure. because I've lived through something like um, that with my family and understood the, um, the fear and the uh, anxiety and the hopelessness yeah, that and comes with that. It's interesting. It's this, this movie is definitely about the, uh, the American spirit. You know, totally. You know where where it's. I mean, because the fact is, at all costs, at all odds. Yeah. No matter no matter what country or whatever, you have the rich trying to just squash the middle class or squash the poor and just take take advantage of them. I had a job that they were constantly putting more shit on our plate. With the whole like, but just be glad you have a job. Just, I like, hate that, eat it. dude. Just I hate it. that. That term. whole thing. And you get that. And that's the same thing here where it's like, well, if you don't want to get the two cents an hour, someone else is going to do it or two right. cents a day or whatever. Right. But this family's like, well, it's all about coming together. It's all we're stronger together. And, right. And they pulled all their monies together uh-huh. in order to, to make food. And, you and know, even the mom fed the other kids because yeah. they were hungry. They didn't have John a lot. Steinbeck talked about, um, there's a couple of quotes that he, he had for this. And again, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it really kind of hit it home for me where he was basically saying that at some point the unity within the, in the group of the family, you know, the, the brothers and the sisters were all one. Yeah. The fathers and the mothers were one, the aunt and uncles and the kids were being watched by the, by everybody, you know what I mean? And it was a very beautiful commune that happened within that. And I think that's, that is something to say about the human spirit thrown Mm -hmm. into adversity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We have an opportunity to me. That's the only thing that really gives me hope that if something crazy would happen, like say the apocalypse or something like that, my hope is that we as human beings would band together instead of push each other away. I don't, I don't want to believe that it's going to be that everybody's going to be against each Uh other. You know, yeah. Um, you'd like to, you'd like it to feel like the movie Independence Day, where we all band, <laughs> we all together, band together over a common cause. Yeah, exactly. That to me, It'd be like, is, yo, what, is the world one. I want to live in? Welcome man. to Earth. Yeah, that's the world I want to yeah, live. You in. You want to live in the Earth. You don't want to. I don't. I don't feel. <laughs> I, I don't feel like I'll get to have that in my lifetime. But I think for me as a human being, that I mean, is we the can, future. One can hope. You know, that's my one hope. One can hope that we can get past the noise. Um, I think what makes it scarier nowadays is because back then you basically it was the us versus them. Right mentality. Where now you have, um, no matter what side you're on, you have the cable news and different sides of media saying like it's us versus them and making them other citizens to keep us all like fighting each other to try right. and keep us from banding together. Right. And that's, that's worrisome to me because that just adds to the noise and that right. adds to the confusion. Well, that's interesting. I mean, and that's the so interesting I'm, I'm hoping, thing to me. Yeah. I'm hoping when, when it comes to like what you're saying, I'm hoping for that. If, you know, if it comes yeah. to that, hopefully if it, it doesn't to come to that. If it comes it's going to come to that. I hope if zombies come, we <laughs> tell each other, Hey, double tap. Yeah. Make sure. Please, bro. Double tap. Got you. <laughs> Got you, boo. Do you, you don't really know he's dead. Yeah. Just one more time. Yeah. Shoot. I mean, he's still growling. We have tons of bullets. Tons. Tons. So thank you. <laughs> I know I can count on you, Noah. Yeah. 
I got you. I got you, boo. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny, right? Because we we opened this thinking like, oh, we didn't like it too much. But the right. more we kind of talked about it, I feel like well, we've, I, I love in the some theme, weird way we talked ourselves back into yeah. like kind of liking it, actually. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe it was just appreciating our, it. Yeah, I think maybe it was just our mentality when we were watching uh-huh. it and it wasn't really getting absorbed the way that we would like, yeah. potentially. But we talked it but out. But we talked it out, I feel. Yeah. I feel, okay, guys, I'm going to change. You know, I did like this movie. Yes. I did very much like this. Though the pacing was a little was slow for me, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm with you. <laughs> so this strange. doesn't happen very often. <laughs> so weird. But I think it because uh, we have nobody here arguing no, for the movie to change our yeah, minds. Yeah, exactly. But ourselves, <laughs> we basically argued to ourselves like, no, this was a good movie. <laughs> this was a good movie. You know. Um, so, all right. Well, cool, man. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I would recommend people watching it, yeah. but watch it with a very, with, with intention though. Absolutely. You know, don't just pop it into. And, and watch it thinking about, about what makes it still relevant today, because yeah. I really truly do believe it is relevant today. Totally. So. Totally. And I, when I first initially did, I'm like, mm, there's no goddamn dust bubbles. You know, we don't have that stuff going on right now, but no, a lot of the commentary is uh-huh. so relevant. I'm like, what year are we in? Yeah. What year is this? You know? I mean, even with with the election, you have every time there's an election, the politicians are making promises to the people in areas that used to have a lot of jobs that are no longer there. Right. And you have the politicians promising to bring jobs back to these right. people who are desperate for jobs. I mean, that's this movie. <laughs> Literally. Go to California. There's tons of jobs. You get Just there. Just daisy Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, I'd recommend it. Yes. Okay. Jonesy. Yeah, what's making you hard? Oh, what's making me hard? Uh, you know, I'm, to be honest with you, I haven't been able to watch much of anything, uh-huh. but I did just get back from Japan, which was awesome. Yeah, what all did you do? Um, well, we we were there for a week just because my wife and I just kind of needed to get out of town. Where for all a in Japan while. did you go? Um, let's see, we were in Tokyo for two days and then we went to uh saitama which is like northern prefecture which is basically like counties in Mm. in japan um northern county outside of tokyo we were there for like a day and a half give or take which was really awesome and then we were back in tokyo and then we spent the remainder of our time in kyoto which is the original capital Mm -hmm. of um japan which is really cool there was a lot of beautiful history within that town um it's so amazing because they call kyoto the 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 city of a thousand shrines and just they're everywhere they're everywhere people are just going they're called they're called shinto shrines and um we actually went one went to one on my birthday and it's like the stereotypical like you go to see japanese photography and shit like that you know you have the the red arches and there's like hundreds of them hundreds and hundreds of them but what was really cool and i was really grateful to get to do it on my birthday which was um it was like a mile and a half circular mountain hike that you would go through all of them right and if you do the whole thing on on in a day it gives you luck for the rest of the year like good fortune is kind of the the superstition so there wasn't a, there was a lot of people there, but not everybody did the hike, you know, cause it's a steep fucking mountain. <laughs> I was like, honey, I didn't train for this, <laughs> but I chose to do it anyway. And we was very grateful that I got to, and I got to take a lot of really cool pictures and things. If you guys want to see cool. my Tokyo pictures, you can check out my Instagram feed at the real Jonesy. Um, and I just, you know, I, it was really interesting because when you first got to Japan, it's a, it's a world that 
it's so hard to describe because you watch it on television and things like that. It is so different than being in the middle of it, mm. you know? And I think at the, at the core of who they are, they are amazing people mm-hmm. that are very repressed, <laughs> right? You know, and not, not just sexually repressed, like no Emotion. bullshit. Uh, my, my wife and I, we are very abrasive human beings in a lovable way. You know, yeah. we're Americans. Oh, no, no, yeah. So very blunt, very no filter. Right. You know, and you know, our whispers basically a, Holler. Right. So, um, the trains, the they have the most impeccable mm, transportation. Well, not only that, just their the JR train, which is the Japanese railroad. They have their actual Tokyo Railroad Metro. They have the J. They have the the Shinkansen, which is the bullet train. Uh, they have their standard like bus system. Phenomenal, man! Like you never have to wait longer than like five minutes for the next train. Wow. And they are on time. They were saying that the Shinkansen um, over the entire year, the Japanese people are take so much pride in like being on time and, um, and in their work that it is only a one second behind schedule every month. Whoa. It's in and it's out on time. And collectively over the years, 12 seconds. So one second a month that this thing is behind schedule. That is it. Wow. So it is boom, boom, boom. And then the next one comes in 10 minutes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, that is phenomenal, you know? But on the train or not the the the, the subway, <laughs> it was really interesting because um, there's only basically so many people. There's 37 million people in Tokyo and we're standing in this train and – no one is talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Not one person is talking with yep. one another. They are absorbed, either sleeping, reading their books, looking at their phones. And there's a sign that I saw. There's a sign right when you walk into this thing on one side of the sign. It has everybody, you know, laughing and having a good time. And by the way, all the signs over there, are not people, they're all cartoon characters yeah. that are absolutely fucking adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in Japan. I just was like, I want to take you home and couple yeah. with you. Um, but uh, everybody was like, you know, they're listening to their music. They were, you know, the kid was kind of crawling on the chair and the guy had his luggage just kind of hanging around. It's basically an American subway. It's right. really what it was. And it had big red X's on all of it. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. The sign next to it had all the same people just perfectly sitting down, perfectly spaced away from each other in their own little space. The kid was like perfectly behaved. No one said anything to one another, no eye contact, nothing. And it was just like smiles, <laughs> check, you know, like this is how they really, really wanted it to be. Yeah. It's and very proper. I don't even want to say proper, man. It's hard to describe because the thing is, is during the day it is, it is very rigid. Mm-hmm. Right. But at night, Dude, this place goes off the chain. Really? It is ridiculous. Everybody in the subway is all like talking and their faces are all glowing because they're all Asian and they don't know how to hold their liquor, you know? (laughs) And it was phenomenal. And the train ride at night is very different than the train ride during the day. Mm. And I thought that was so interesting to me. They work hard and they play even harder. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool, you know? Food was amazing. Um, People were just super friendly, man. Super friendly. They they will go out of their way um, to help you. 
That's awesome. To go, they go above and beyond. One guy got off of his train that he was on to go wherever he was going, got off of his train, helped us out, and then caught the next one after it. Wow. Isn't that great? That's awesome. Um, there's a term that they say, you know, we say thank you. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. And you know, we have a lot of terms mm-hmm. within that. In the Japanese culture, they say samamasen, which is basically meaning thank you for going out of your way to help me mm-hmm. is ultimately what it truly means, yeah. you know? And it's it's a very endearing way of just saying thank you. Uh-huh. And it's just a very simple term, you know? Um, but the um, – the other thing that I thought was rather um, unique there is the nightlife is absolutely off the chain. Uh, we went to a robot restaurant, which is basically medieval times, but like a million times better. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> With like futuristic awesomeness. I can uh, – if, if you guys want, I'll put it – I got video and I can yeah. post it on our, on yes. our uh, Twitter page Please if you guys want to see some of that stuff. It's – it's bonkers, dude. That's awesome. It's absolutely bonkers. But the uh, the the last thing that I will share because I literally just got back, so it's very fresh, and I'm still jet lagged. Very much so. <laughs> um, the amount of cleanliness that is in this city is mind blowing. Absolutely and utterly mind blowing to me. There's no trash cans in the city. There is trash cans, but they're only in front of liquor stores. Uh, okay. Like the, there's a lot of seven 11s out there, which I didn't know. Seven 11 is the seven I corporation or I seven corporation, which is a Japanese company. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. They got a big ass building in Saitama that you see, you know, and it's, uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So only in front of what they call a family mart and the seven 11 is a trash can that anybody can use. So everybody has the respect of their own country. They carry bags in their bags for trash and then they'll throw it away. Even the bathroom do not have trash cans. The bathrooms also do not have paper towels. So you have to buy a, a like a drying hand towel at like the Daiso store for a buck and you carry that with you and you wipe, you dry your own hands with it. It is the cleanest, most amazing place. It's so clean. It's ridiculous to me. Everybody carries their own trash. Some dude, I literally watched him smoke a cigarette, stomp it out on the ground, pick it back up and put it in his pocket. Yeah, I get back to the States. I saw two motherfuckers on the pier flicking them, soaking them down and flicking them over into the ocean. And I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So I was like, wow, that is that is amazing. And they take their, you know, they they take a very, they're very prideful in the responsibility Mm -hmm. of taking care of the country. Very meticulous. Yeah, dude. It was a, it was cool, man. I really enjoyed it. Well, happy birthday. We both missed each other's birthday. (laughs) I know. When was yours? November 26th. Oh, that's right. And I was out of town then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. How old are you? I am 34. Nice. You old bastard. I know. I'm an old man. Well, all right. Don't worry. I don't feel a day under a (laughs) hundred. I get all, get up and I sound like a crickety old man. Um, so one thing that's really kind of cool, my, my mother-in-law, since I've been dating my wife since we were 15, she's been asking me this question since we've been dating. And it's a, it's a really introspective question, but it's really interesting when you can sit down and really think about it. Now that you've been alive, as long as you've been alive, mm-hmm. what is the most important thing that you know or have learned thus far? Ooh, that's something to think about. Right? Interesting. Yeah. 
Um, so my wife asks me this question every year mm. and I ponder about it all year. <laughs> um, the funnier part though, is when she first asked me this question, my 16 year old answer was, uh, don't put Twinkies on your pizza, <laughs> which was, which a, is a good lesson. It hurt my belly. Yeah. You know, don't do that at camp. I can't believe you actually did that in the first place. Well, you that can thank heavyweights for well. that. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> they did it, and I was like, well, that looks absolutely amazing. Uh, Savory so and sweet. Uh-huh. Nah, not very good. But um, every year, my, my answers have gotten a little bit more introspective. Because as I've gotten older, you know, I think about the world a little bit differently mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. So for you, Noah, what have you what do you know or have learned thus far in your lifespan of 34 years. Hmm. If I am on the spot here, I did not know that was coming. It's how this question is asked, man. Interesting. So I'd say probably the most important lesson I learned, um, is never settle. If you're not happy with where you're at, um, adjust accordingly and, and just keep going. Nice, man. Yeah, it's a good one. I like it. Thank you. Uh, Mine, mine this year was life is practice. Yeah, I agree with that. Life is very much practice. It kind of falls along the same where it's just a lot of trial and error. It really is. Well, I mean, not only trial and error that it's just, um, I feel like, you know, you, you get to an adult perspective and you think you're supposed to have it all figured out and you are supposed to know where you're going in your life and you're supposed to understand the world and blah, 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 and all these things. And you look at, at least in my experience, you know, you look at where you're at and where you're not, and you're always looking for the future. And then you're like, ah, I'm never going to get there. And then you're never happy with where you're at. And, Mm. but you're never present with where you are. Yeah. That's yeah. And I feel for me that I can kind of let go of that. If I just realize that life is practice, right? Like I like that. waking up in the morning, if I want to make it, if I want to wake up early to get things done, that's a practice that you have to get into, mm-hmm. you know, yoga, um, instructors and people that do yoga talk about the yoga practice. It's never a workout. It's a practice. It's yeah. a mindfulness that, that, that they do time and time again. And some days they don't have it. And some days they have it better than others, you know? And I was remembering when I was playing football in college, like I've had way better practices than I've had games even, oh, you okay. know? Yeah. And I was just like, that's an interesting perspective. That's an interesting perspective. So like life is practice. Like so it. just don't take shit so serious. Enjoy the practice. Enjoy the failure. You know, I like it. So, yeah, man. So for me this week, kind of sticking with the cultural theme here of what yours was. So I saw Moana Uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend and it is phenomenal. Yeah, I really want to go see it. I've heard a lot of really all my animation students were just like, you need to go see Uh, this. It's so good. It's so amazing. (sighs) The story, it still falls along the lines of like a Disney princess kind of trope. But the way that they tell the story within the confines of kind of signature Disney is beautiful. And um, Lin-Manuel... Um, yeah, the guy from uh, the guy from Hamilton. Hamilton. Uh-huh. He the co-wrote the songs. Nice, and Good it's shit. phenomenal. The songs are amazing. Um, How does I, The Rock do? The Rock was awesome. I love that guy. I rock for too. president. The Rock for president. <laughs> I would vote for him. Twenty twenty. Yeah, he was great in this. He was so great. Everything about this was great. The story. There were some things in there towards the end that I just. And that's another reason why I liked uh, how to how to train your dragon is. You didn't necessarily know where how things would end up. Like they would go in a different way, as opposed to like That's some great. animated movies that you watch, where you're like, "I know exactly what's going to happen." Yeah, and you're like, "Called it." 
Yeah, and this yeah. one had some really great turns and different things, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and it made me happy. I kind of got choked up a little bit for what it represents. Nice. Um, just because, you know, we've talked about this, about the whole, like, Oscar's so white, all the stuff about, oh, Hollywood's so, you know, so racist, blah, blah, blah. No, our country's racist. <laughs> and it's a business. You heard it here, folks. And, like... And Hollywood makes what it can sell to the vast majority of ticket buyers. Right. And but when they have movies like a Disney Animation Institution or Star Wars or the Fast and Furious franchise, when they have stuff where they know the audience is coming, Hollywood puts diversity in there because right. they want to give well, that the culture. Biggest, I heard like the biggest uh, like subculture that's not really being hit right now is like the Hispanic Latino culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I understand it's Hawaiian, but right. And you in know, some of the songs they had like the Hawaiian language. One of the songs started with like cool. uh, with one of the dialects and the, the composer definitely brought in a lot of Hawaiian influences to the music and it was just so well done. And the message was amazing nice you know i so i just i just loved it and i was so happy that it it's done so well in the box office because it really deserves that so last question okay are you dick hard for the new star wars coming out next week i couldn't care less really i am not a star wars guy which is ironic because our next episode is star Star wars Mm-hmm. Come to the dark side, you must. <laughs> I guess I'm there because people are uh, mad that I, I just Star I Wars know. just does nothing for me. What about you? I mean, I enjoy Star Wars. I am okay. a fan, um, but I don't get that crazy for it. You know, no, like I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong; it's a cool, it's a cool story, and I'm really excited to see new storylines within the canon, like the continuation instead of this yeah. being the prequel to the first one. Totally. So that the to sequel, me makes prequel, it kind of because right. it's up in between three and four. Right. This is episode three point five. <laughs> but you know, the thing that I also like right now that Disney's doing in a really unique way is they're really coming at it from a different lens. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're. I, I'm really happy. I think right now for me, if I was to have girls be born in this day and age, I'd be really stoked Very to be strong on strong female characters in the star totally, Wars. Totally, uh-huh. You know, and I feel like we're getting more of those types of characters, like from, from the movie that you were just talking Moana, about. Moana and but even star Wars, the episode seven. Exactly. Fast and the furious. Um, right. So they're all coming. Mad Max. Oh yeah. See? Fury road about Furiosa. Right. So, I mean, to that end, I think I'm curious enough to see how they do because mm-hmm. in all honesty, 10 bucks, you know, you get a really cool experience. JJ mm-hmm. Abrams didn't direct this particular one, nope. but his group is producing it and doing, and they make good movies. Mm-hmm. You know, they can make really good sci-fi stuff. So I'm excited to see it, but I don't, you know, I'm not a fanboy with tons of like star Wars paraphernalia and all that type of stuff personally. But cool. We'll see. So, All right. Until next time. I guess, I guess we'll time. Be, I'm going to be curious on <laughs> what we think about the actual Star see. Wars. <laughs> 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 we'll definitely see you guys next week for Star Wars. We out.